Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Before we get into it tonight, I just want to let you guys know what we have coming up. On April 30th, I'll be supporting the show at this year's Ohio Bigfoot Conference that's being held at Salt Fork State Park. Then again, on July 30th, the show will have a booth at this year's Michigan Bigfoot Conference in Chelsea, Michigan. If you're at either of these events, make sure you come by the booth, say hi, pick up some merch, and maybe sit down with me if you have an interesting story that you'd like to get on the show. And then, the really exciting one for me, the one I hope to see all of you at, is Bigfoot and Brews on September 10th in Dewajack, Michigan. Uncomfortable will be hosting our first Bigfoot conference in Southwest Michigan at the Sister Lakes Brewery. The conference will be held in the very area of the sightings that made the Dewey Lake Monster national news back in 1964. Please head over to BigfootandBrews.com. There you can find all the information on the speakers, vendors, and the special guests. Tickets are on sale now. There you can find vendors' applications and even a sponsors tab if you'd like to help sponsor this event. The day is shaping up to be a uncomfortable best of with speakers Mr. Ron Moorhead, the Michigan Aboriginal Project's James Lady, and the gumshoe guy himself, Mr. Val Zalvala from the Michigan Bigfoot Report and Data Group. Also joining us will be John from my opening day episodes in his first public speaking engagement anywhere. So please come out and support the podcast, the brewery, and the fantastic speakers we have lined up for you. If you have any questions, you can email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com otherwise any of the information you need should be found there at bigfootandbrews.com now many of you reached out and told me you enjoyed the episode I did on the Dewey Lake Monster and you've requested that I do more episodes in that vein Right side. When I did, there's there's a beam 
on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. first official organized investigation 
of aerial phenomena. Later, replaced by Project Grudge, and ultimately in 1952 by the more recognizable Project Blue Book, headquartered in Dayton, Ohio at the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Blue Book was discontinued publicly in 1969 after compiling and professing to have debunked the majority of nearly 12,000 reported events. August 25th, 1951, three science professors from Texas Tech witness a number of organized lights flying above their heads. Their story and photos gain national attention as the Lubbock Lights and are even featured in Life magazine. August 21st, 1955, saw what could be one of the most significant and well-documented cases in UFO history. The Hopkinsville Goblins, also known as the Kelly-Hopkinsville Encounter. The significance of this case undoubtedly lies in the witness accounts of several small humanoid beings observed during an event in the heart of the Bible Belt. This sweltering Sunday in the Kelly, Kentucky heat finds a gathering of Glennie Lankford's extended family. After a day filled with church sermons and visiting with friends and family, the large group returned to dine at the home of the widowed matriarch. Lankford's eldest son, Lucky Sutton, and family friend, Billy Ray Taylor, were the central characters in this account. At around 7 p.m., at the request of Lankford, Billy Ray heads out to the backyard well to bring back water for the children's baths. While pumping the water, Billy Ray's attention is directed skyward, where he witnesses a bright silvery object slowly moving across the sky above the farm. During his letter reports, he states it had come to a complete stop and slowly dropped straight down to the ground. He hurriedly re-enters the home and excitedly begins to tell of this unusual sight. He implores the family that he witnessed this object with an exhaust showing many colors, but... None of the family took him seriously and laughed off his flying saucer account. After several good laughs, things seemed to calm down until about an hour later when the family dog began incessantly barking. Lucky and Billy Ray made their way to the back door and witnessed a strange glow within a mist out in the field. Within the mysterious glow, they saw what looked to be a small, humanoid-looking creature. It appeared to be three and a half to four feet tall, with a large, oversized head, 
and what looked to be arms that extended almost to the ground. They reported unearthly glowing yellowish eyes, and the new moon seemed to cause an eerie metallic shimmer across the body, as if it was made of metal. Both men ran back into the house and grabbed a 22 caliber rifle and a 20 gauge shotgun, then returned to the back door. The creature had raised its hands in front of it as if it was being held up at gunpoint, but it continued to move towards the men. They both took aim at the creature and fired. They both reported that the creature did an awkward backward flip and then scurried off on two legs into the darkness. Once back in the house and having told everyone what they had just witnessed, the women and the children now in a chaotic state, scared and confused, the men see a similar creature appear at the side window. Shots are fired through the window screen in their words, appearing to be impervious to the bullets. The little man again flipped backwards and disappeared into the night. Mrs. Lankford made her way down the hallway and crouched next to Billy Ray, where she herself sees one of these beings approaching the door. She described it as having a large gas can-sized head on top of a small, spindly body. And it was shimmering like bright metal. The encounter escalated as Taylor stepped outside the front porch. When those who remained in the house witnessed a claw-like hand reach down from the overhang of the roof, grabbing at his hair. After pulling him back in, Lucky shoots through the overhang of the house, and then again at another creature he sees perched in a nearby tree. Sutton reported that after firing at the creature in the tree, it almost appeared that it floated down to the ground, and then scurried off into the woods. Over the next couple of hours, the occupants of the house continued to watch and listen for movement, hearing occasional scratching on the sides and the roof of the home. At around 11 p.m., in an act of desperation to leave the house and seek safety, they rushed out of the house, got into their cars, and once they were on the road, made their way at speed to the Hopkinsville police station. The family arrives breathless and visibly shaken as they tell their terrifying story of otherworldly beings to the then police chief, Russell Greenwell. Greenwell calls in backup and is joined at the Sutton farm by a mix of military police from nearby Fort Campbell. Members of the state police and a photographer from the local paper. Once on scene, investigators found spent shell casings from both the shotgun and the 22 long rifle, but no other evidence supporting the invasion was found. 
There was no indication of intoxication and no obvious signs of the craft or its occupants. Satisfied, the investigators left for the night. Later that night at around 2.30 a.m., Mrs. Lankford reports that the creatures returned and were witnessed repeatedly glowing outside of her bedroom window with its claw-like hand pressed against the screen. In the days following, many newspapers, including the New York Times, reported the incident. Radio stations followed suit, and in no time this harrowing account was getting national attention. The curious descended on the farm and the local town. The Suttons placed no trespassing signs all along the property to no avail. In an effort to discourage the influx of people, they began charging for the entering of the grounds. Information and the taking of any pictures. Once that news went public, then the skeptics began to tear them apart as nothing more than fortune-seeking hoaxers. As the story continued to be picked up by news outlets, the story began to take on a life of its own. The number of little men or little beings started to be reported as being as many as a dozen or more. And after a couple of years, after another Kentucky woman's flying saucer report, the little metallic men began being referred to as little green men. As in her report, she stated seeing a tall green man. Local radio station reporter Bud Ledwith interviewed all of the adult witnesses and attempted to make drawings based on what they reported seeing. UFOlogist Isabel Davis, an investigator for the Center of UFO Studies, commented that the descriptions were remarkably specific and consistent throughout all the witnesses. This story was subjected to a formal investigation by the Air Force UFO Investigation Program, Project Blue Book. Lead civilian investigator and former astronomer, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, originally dismissed this encounter while with Blue Book. He later encouraged Davis to co-write a 200-page report documenting all of the drawings, maps of the area, public records, and interviews with the Sutton family members. In spite of the lack of physical evidence, she concluded there was no collusion, no indication of deliberate hoaxing, and no indication of publicity-seeking. So what did this family experience that night? Was it simply a case of misidentification leading to a hysterical mass hallucination? Some sort of early military psyop carried out by Fort Campbell on the good people of Kelly, Kentucky? Or does Occam's razor dictate that what they claimed happened is exactly just that. Now, before I let you go, I have a bit of a, a side note, and I don't know why I feel so uh, passionately about having to get this off my chest, but just roll with me here. Um, 
Within recent days, the Pentagon has released nearly 1,500 additional documents on UFOs. Some would say shocking documents. This report includes a lot of things which would require me a good deal more higher education to make sense of. But there is a segment of that report, though. A segment which reveals many of these encounters have left quite a negative impact on some very real people. The report itemizes some substantial and harmful effects witnesses have endured post-encounter, such as radiation burns, partial paralysis, brain damage and or cognitive dysfunction, damage at the cellular level, and then quite possibly, for me, the most disturbing, unaccounted for pregnancies. These are results that are contained within a Pentagon document based on UFO reports. Unaccounted for pregnancies? Brain damage? A disruption at the cellular level? That's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot to wrap your head around. And why am I bringing this up? Well, on a national news broadcast, this topic was raised And in a similar fashion to what we've come to expect in years past, the news broadcasters, both of them, one male, one female, in fact, took the same exact Doubting Thomas attitude, the same laughable approach to the topic. And I was shocked. With all of the slow filtering disclosure from our government and governments throughout the world, providing information on these aerial craft in our airspace, outmaneuvering and outperforming the finest most technologically advanced flight systems we currently have available anywhere in the world. And still they laugh. It's still a joke. There are still people out here who firmly believe that Donald Trump is the President of the United States. There are those who believe that the moon landings were faked. That the earth is flat. And that a popular fast food franchise serves hamburgers made of ground up missing children. Yet these unidentified objects are still poo pooed on the national stage. Even after confirming the accuracy of the New York Times reports. Even after the initial release of the Office of Director of National Intelligence and their report, Preliminary Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, and now some 1,500 documents released by the Pentagon, they still laugh. What does that say about the UFO phenomenon here in the U.S.? With all this information that's been released, it's most obviously a drop in the bucket compared to what they really know. But it's brought this phenomenon completely out of the fringe and straight into the mainstream. And now it is being acknowledged by the United States government and governments throughout the world, the military and the intelligence communities as a serious defense and national security issue. 
Now, I have my own thoughts on why everything seems to be based on defense and security instead of cultural impact and how they fit within our known existence and origins, but that's another show. We now know officially that the government has been taking this seriously. Those who say that they encountered UFOs, it's not just eyewitness testimony anymore. These things have been simultaneously tracked on radar and filmed by military airmen in our airspace. Is it Russia? Is it China? Is it our own advanced tech? Or is it extraterrestrial? Or dare I say, extra-dimensional? So now what? Well, multiple UFO provisions were written into the latest defense bill. In Congress, who essentially got the ball rolling on this after 70 years of misinformation from our government, is to make sure that all of the different parts of the military and intelligence community report back to Congress with at least one public report each year. Now, how much of that will we see? Probably not much. But it's a step in the right direction. This has been long overdue. To sit there and watch a national news segment, do an interview, and laugh about this subject after all of this disclosure really just burned my ass. Thank you for listening, and until next week, stay uncomfortable, my friends. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.